It's been a year since our last episode. The case has remained very quiet since then until very recently. I promised to update our listeners of any new developments, and so here we are. I'm Leah Harris, and this is Where's William Tyrrell? With me today to unpack all of this once again is Sydney criminologist from the University of Newcastle, Xanthi Mallet. Welcome, Xanthi. Hi. She has followed this case closely as well and attended much of the coronial inquest. I'll start off with a brief recap of where we left off. The inquest had finally wrapped up after weeks and weeks of hearings, 18 months worth. The findings of that coronial inquest into William's disappearance were due to be handed down in June of this year. We were told earlier this year those findings were delayed indefinitely. There's been no new date for the findings of the inquest. Now, before we get into the new developments, I'd like to start by saying there are some legal restrictions currently preventing us from speaking about some of the details of this case. There may be some things our listeners have read in the media earlier this week that we now can't talk about. Rest assured, we are currently talking about everything we are legally able to speak about. Police publicly stated a couple of months ago that this investigation was still ongoing in spite of the coronial inquest. Then in September 2021, the seventh anniversary of his disappearance, police announced they were revisiting Kendall as part of some operational activity. They said they were getting assistance from various experts and they said they had further information that had come to light and that their focus has been identifying if anything has been missed by previous investigators. They also said our most important job here is to bring him home for both families. That was a couple of months ago now. That came just two days after reports from News Corp quoting police sources that there was a new suspect who had previously been ruled out by police. Police refused to officially confirm this development at the time and the foster parents released a statement shortly after this new suspect was reported in the media, labelling it fake news, saying to publish unverified claims without consideration to the hurt that articles of this nature cause is disrespectful and devastating to everyone who knows and loves William. Now, they were obviously not aware at that point of any new direction for the police investigation. We'll get to that in a moment. Then on the 1st of November, so two and a half weeks ago, Channel 10 and specifically the Where's William Tyrrell podcast were issued with a subpoena for all of our research and audio. The order was very broad and it specified they wanted copies of the unedited versions of the podcast, any files, notes and documents relating to this podcast. That was surprising and unusual given the podcast had been out there for two years already and the inquest started two years ago. The hearings had already wrapped up. So that signalled to me and everyone here at 10 News that something had changed in the investigation and that there was a new direction. Xanthi, you've sat through a lot of this coronial inquest as well and you've followed the case closely for the last seven years. Why do you think a coroner's court would issue a subpoena like this two years into the inquest? Yeah, I think, you know, your instincts are spot on, aren't they? There's obviously something that's changed and they're collecting different type of evidence than they've collected before. I mean, it does seem a long time in between, but obviously they are still moving forward with the Corona inquest. They're saying now it's going to be early next year. We're going to get the conclusion of that. So yeah, it felt that we're going in a different direction than the investigation had gone in before. So as we prepared to hand over everything from here at the Where's William Tyrrell podcast, including our raw audio files of our extensive interviews with William's foster parents, as all of our listeners would have heard, and many others involved in the case, there was another major development. On Monday morning, the 15th of November, New South Wales Police called a press conference to announce a new search for Strike Force Roseanne, which is the Strike Force investigating William's disappearance. 
This also happened to be the same day that we were going to go public with the subpoena here at 10 News First. At that press conference, they told the media they were dispatching hundreds of police to Kendall to search three specific sites based on new information. The sites were all within very close proximity to Benaroon Drive, where William, of course, disappeared, including the foster grandmother's property where he was last seen. They searched a site about a kilometre away along Batar Creek Road, which runs perpendicular to Benaroon Drive. Let's have a listen to what Detective Chief Superintendent Darren Bennett had to say at that press conference, which I attended and was able to ask him some questions. Today I'm alerting the media that we're going to be doing some operational activity in the Kendall area over the coming weeks. That's going to involve many hundreds of police officers involved in searching a number of locations. This activity is in response to evidence we've obtained in the course of the investigation. It's not speculative in any way. We're acting on behalf of the coroner and in conjunction with coronial orders. She will be kept updated with regard to our progress. We won't be providing daily commentary about what's taking place, as you'd understand. There's a large amount of work to be undertaken. We're using specialist areas and people from outside the police force. We're very hopeful that we can bring this matter to some sort of conclusion and I thank you for your ongoing interest. There'll be a number of um, strategies used by the police and other agencies to clear ground and go subterranean. There's three specific locations and they're all in the Kendall area. Do you know who took William? Uh, I don't know who took William, but we're hoping to find out through this investigation. Are you looking for a body? If we found something, it would be a body. We, we are looking for the remains of William Tyrrell, there's no doubt about that. Will this be going over old ground? No, it's, uh, it's new locations and uh, it's a different type of search method. Now, it's not quite accurate to say these sites haven't been searched before. There was obviously the initial large-scale search by SES and volunteers when William first went missing. Then back in 2018, when Gary Jubilin was in charge, in preparation for the coroner's inquest, he conducted a large-scale forensic search of a three-kilometre radius around Benaroon Drive. That lasted a few weeks and that did cover a lot of the same ground. So with this latest search, they did some digging. They brought in cadaver dogs, they brought in soil experts... At the foster grandmother's property, they dug up the garden bed near where his foster mum said he was last seen. They used luminol to look for any signs of blood in that garden bed. They are, as we speak, still in the midst of a very thorough forensic search of the area. Today they've drained a creek bed and they're sifting through the mud there. It was revealed this week this was all to investigate a theory that William may have died by accident, that he may have fallen from the balcony of the home and died. They also seized a car that used to belong to William's foster grandmother before her death in March this year. The car had since been passed on to someone else and was sitting at a property in Sydney when they seized it over a week earlier for forensic examination, examining whether William's body may have been transported in that vehicle. That was the only other car at the property that day, along with the foster parent's car, which has previously been searched. Police stated they had new information that had led them to zero in on one person of interest, and that person is William's foster mother. Their new theory was that after William fell from the balcony to his death, his body may have been transported in that car, a grey Mazda, and buried one kilometre away in that bushland they're currently searching. They haven't said what new information they have, but they seemed confident this new search would finally turn up some physical evidence. They've publicly stated they were confident this would be the search that finally gave them a breakthrough. However, they have so far found nothing of significance, at least nothing they've publicly revealed at this stage. As our listeners would know, both the foster mother and father have been interviewed by me extensively. 
They've been heavily involved in this podcast and have previously been ruled out by investigators and up until recently were not considered suspects. Xanthi, they seemed confident of finding something this time with this new theory. Do you think that confidence is based on evidence or is there perhaps another strategy at play here? Well, it's really hard to tell because they haven't told us why they've gone back to Benaroon Drive, what has specifically led to these search areas. But I would say certainly that first press conference like five days ago now, the tone was very different to anything we've ever heard in relation to the Tyrrell matter before. They were very confident, almost strident, I would say, that they are going to have answers in the next two to three weeks as those digs continue. And, and they are digs. We've seen the diggers out there. So they're not just surface searches any longer. So if, you know, if they genuinely expect to find something that could explain that really kind of strong, confident language, is there another strategy at play? Possibly. Do they want to be seen to be very active in the search? Because obviously there's been a lot of criticism levelled at them over the years as to why William hasn't been found and why somebody hasn't been brought to justice. So it's really hard to say, but certainly that language, that rhetoric coming out did signify that they do have some strong information that's led them specifically to those areas. They say this search is different to any previous ones they've done. From what you've so far witnessed in terms of what they're doing up there this week, how do you think it's different? They seem to be employing more technologies this time to search beneath the soil or beneath other subsurfaces. So we saw them looking at the garage yesterday, which has got the concrete base. So they were using an X-ray to look beneath that concrete slab to see whether there was something, an anomaly there, and nothing was found. And then equally, they're using other geophysical techniques to look beneath the soil. So in my experience, that would indicate they're looking for covert burial sites, potentially. So they're doing the surface search and then they're also looking to see whether there's any disturbances where William may have been buried. Because as you say, they've searched those areas before and nothing has been found on the surface. So obviously they're going to look beneath the surface now to see whether there's any evidence available. We don't know yet if they've found any new evidence. If they have, they haven't gone public with it, though this search has been very public. The media were invited and the media have been kept pretty up to date as to what they're doing. Anything they do find or don't find in this search, would you imagine there'll have to be more coronial hearings where we have that presented? Well, given, you know, they've still got until beginning of next year, they haven't been specific about dates, but obviously we're running into kind of mid-November now. We've got, you know, the Christmas break. So Depends on what they find. You know, if they do find a significant amount of evidence, I think that will turn the coronal inquest on its head as they move that that investigation forward, taking all of that evidence into consideration. But it really depends on what they find and how much there is to go through. And obviously now this is very much back in the public eye. There will be getting a lot of other people calling in with potential information and they will have to triage that and they will have to work through all of that as well. They've made it clear that the reward is still available for information that leads to finding William. So they are going to be collecting more and more information and potentially evidence. So we could see that coronal inquest push back, which obviously nobody really wants to see because, you know, we've been waiting a number of years at this point for that to be concluded. So, yeah, it's going to be a fine line to, to see where that goes next, given we don't know how much information has really come to light as a result of these searches. 
This is obviously a startling new direction for this investigation, given both the foster parents, as I've said, were previously investigated and ruled out by not only the previous investigative team in Gary Jubelin, who's now since left the force, but also the initial investigative team, which was led by Hans Rupp. They have spoken to me on this podcast about being treated as suspects before. Let's have a listen to what they've said. They also had to consider other possibilities, mm. including looking at you two and checking mm. your alibis and, and your mm. stories and everything. Was that really tough? No. No, because we... Well, I didn't find it tough. Did you? It's not tough when you know... We had nothing to do with it. It's like we you were know. like... Here is everything. They took our laptops. And we were grilled. We were, we were, yeah, we were, yeah, we we were, were completely were... grilled, you know, separately in isolations in, in back of detectives' vehicles. Every, uh, they yeah. took my vehicle away. They completely searched it, checked it. Yeah. You know, I mean, they did, they did everything. That and they we had to do. multiple conversations with multiple police people and, you know, detectives and um, all sorts of other police, always just checking in, just looking at you know, corroborating things, checking with us, all sorts of things. And I remember saying to to you that um, if they didn't, I would have expected that they, from the moment we were, we would have had to have been their prime suspects because we were the last people to see him. And if they didn't completely investigate us, I would be absolutely gobsmacked because... You've got to rule us out. Well, that's right. Because they're not doing their job. And we all know statistically it's the last person or a family member that typically does something like this. In this instance, we didn't do it. We had nothing to do with it. We have nothing to hide. We gave them everything. And they spent days and days. Completely obliged with, you know, they got our phones, they, they did checked on all of our phones, on all of our devices, telephone call, landlines, everything. cars, you name it. They, they cross-referenced right. the mobile towers. They did everything. They've got pictures of us travelling. They can show that yep. there's pictures of all of us in the car when we stopped at McDonald's. We're all there. I mean, everything we did has been accounted for. Yep. When, when you Completely. went and had your Skype call, that's all been checked up yep. thoroughly. So everything. So for people who still have this conspiracy theory that's out there that we were implicated in his disappearance and whatever eventuates in the back end of that, yeah. we had nothing to do with it, yeah. absolutely nothing. Why would why and the would facts, we? And the facts are there to support it, yeah. you know, and they've, and they've done their, their tick boxes on, on everything. Yeah. So they've confirmed that. So, Xanthi, we've handed over all of our files and audio and everything for this podcast. From what I understand, I am the only journalist and we are the only network who has been issued with a subpoena from the coroner's court for this particular case. The foster parents have previously been investigated and ruled out twice by two different lead detectives. What do you make of this new theory that puts the foster mother back in the spotlight? Well, obviously, we don't have access to any of the information that may have led the police down this particular path of investigation. However, you know, I've listened to the podcast. I've seen the interviews with the Foster family. I was there in court when, you know, the coronal inquiry, when we heard the victims' impact statements. And I've personally never seen anything that made me suspicious of them. I've looked at lots of investigations where children have disappeared and sometimes the carers are involved and sometimes they're not. 
so I've looked at lots of different behavior patterns and people do respond very differently. But certainly from my perspective, I've never seen anything that ever triggered any suspicion in my mind. So I was very surprised at this particular line of investigation. So I'm going to keep an open mind. Everyone is, has the right to the presumption of innocence until proven otherwise. And we have yet seen no evidence. We don't know what the police have. And so I'm going to keep an open mind until that evidence is presented and tested in court. And we hear both sides of this. So until I see evidence, I'm going to maintain that I've never seen anything of suspicion. And like we said, the new information that police say they are, that has led them to these new searches, to subpoenaing our podcast, we don't know what that is yet. We assume that will be made public at some point, but at this point it hasn't. So they are entitled to the presumption of innocence. It wasn't just in the early days they were investigated. As I said, Jubilant did reinvestigate them again in 2017 after speculation from within his own team about whether they had been thoroughly ruled out. So that involved him calling them into police headquarters in Parramatta here in Sydney under the guise of some other innocuous reason before separating them, putting them into different interview rooms and interrogating them both with no warning. At the same time, they planted a listening device in their car to hear what they spoke about on the way home after those interviews. That device recorded them expressing their anger at Jubilant for treating them like suspects, and they made some disparaging comments about him, but they said nothing incriminating in terms of what happened to William, and that led Jubilant to subsequently ruling them out again. So how unusual is it in an investigation like this to have a suspect ruled out only to be revisited later? Does it have to take some new evidence for this to happen? You would think for them to be ruled back in that there would have to be new evidence, although at the coronal inquest it was made clear that they were still included in the persons of interest, that they hadn't in fact ruled almost anybody out at that stage, which was quite a remarkable statement given we were a number of years into the investigation and there were so many persons of interest initially. So you would think that they would have to have significant evidence, especially to come out and be so, uh, you know, they've been very clear on who their person of interest is. So you would think they would have to have some evidence to support that. We don't know what that is, but it is unusual in my experience to see people ruled out, to be ruled back in, to be ruled out, to be ruled back in again. So we'll have to see as the weeks and months progress as to what that evidence may in fact be. This investigation has obviously been much more controversial than most, given um, Gary Jubilant being taken off the case, subsequently prosecuted for his work on this case. That has resulted in a lot of mixed messaging about who has been ruled in and who has been ruled out. And that seems to be included in this foster parents inquiry in that um, they've been previously ruled out. The public's been told they've been ruled out. Then we're told they're not. Now we're told the foster mum is the main person of interest. Obviously, we will stay across this ongoing search and this ongoing investigation. The police say this could go on for up to three weeks. And we will be updating the podcast with any major developments in this search. But we also need to discuss another development which has unfolded this week. It's important to note this is completely separate from the investigation into William's disappearance. On Wednesday the 17th of November, his foster parents were charged with assaulting a child. This alleged assault happened recently and police will allege the child had bruising as a result of that assault. The foster parents will face court on those charges on Tuesday next week and we will learn more about these allegations then. Xanthi, as I said, this is not connected to William Tyrrell's case. This is a separate allegation that uh, the foster parents, who we've previously called Jane and Peter on this podcast, they still can't be legally identified, that they are now facing. What's likely to come out about these allegations next week at their court appearance? 
That's really difficult to say because obviously their identifications are suppressed, as is the subject of the allegation. So it's going to be very difficult to see what information is going to come forward. Obviously, in the minds of the public, these two things are going to be tied together. And I would just caution people against that. They're totally separate events, separated by years and have literally nothing to do with each other. So um, they will be reported synchronously, no doubt, but one does not equate to the other. So, yeah, I would just, again, presumption of innocence. Everyone has the right to that. So I suggest everyone in the public listening to this applies that. And um, we take the evidence as that is presented to us. Very important point to make. They are both innocent until proven guilty, both of these latest charges and of this new investigation into what happened to William. We will keep our listeners up to date on this investigation as it progresses. And until then, we are keeping an open mind. There's been a lot of other noise in the media around this case, particularly this week. A lot of politics in terms of past and present police investigations. We're not going to go into any of that on this episode. Something that we always like to remind our listeners and that we always like to remember ourselves is that this podcast is called Where's William Tyrrell? It is about finding answers as to what happened to William Tyrrell on September 12, 2014. There is still a little boy who has been missing for over seven years. We want to keep the attention and the focus on finding out what happened to William Tyrrell and getting justice for him and those who love him. Thank you for joining me, Xanthi Mallet. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Leah Harris, and this is Where's William Tyrrell, a 10 Speaks podcast for 10 News First.